uh, it's not about the money early. It's about the experience. I got my education by going and working for just a, a tyrant, but I managed a huge uh, portfolio in Texas and Oklahoma as a young kid. I was managing like you know, $300 million worth of assets with a brand new team. Uh, that experience was invaluable. It wasn't the best job. It was, I knew I wasn't going to be there long, but just getting that level of experience mm-hmm. where you're working with people, you're trying to do new developments, you're trying to buy properties. Like, dude, that accelerated my growth. And and then for me, it's like just education and learn. Mm-hmm. I, I, if you don't like to read, that's cool. You know, go on YouTube, um, you know, um, listen to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. This is The Real Estate Podcast. A show by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let's hear from our host, Matt Teifke and Alex Kaufman. All right, welcome to the Real Estate Podcast. How you guys doing, Alex? Doing good? Doing good. We got Mr. Jason Ricks. Yeah, Mr. Round Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming, man. Yeah, uh, excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So uh, I guess if you don't mind, can you kind of just give a, a high level about uh, who you are, what you have going on, and we'll just dive in with some questions. Yeah, man. So uh, Jason Ricks, uh, born and raised in Austin. Um, man, I've been in real estate for so long now. I feel like I'm getting old. I know I'm getting some gray hairs, but it's going on year 13, wow. and um, I've been really active in retail, in like shopping centers specifically. And we're putting together a fund that pays monthly cash flow to investors. And it's all being done through acquisition of single tenant properties and there's a ton of advantages on these single tenant buildings you i know matt you were kind of in in retail leasing for for some time so you kind of understand the nuances there but the lease structure itself it's so great it's a it's called a triple net lease and so what it happens is they pay for you know the taxes and the increases um, insurance and then the maintenance on the building so whenever you see how much the tenant is paying in rent when you go and buy one of these deals, it's very predictable on the income stream. So we like to say it's basically like buying bonds, but you know, backed by real estate. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. We're creating a fund. Uh, we've been doing this for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. We switched off syndicating shopping centers. And the, the big problem that we saw is a lot of the big traditional retailers, they had so much debt. and uh, I have this saying, like, if I'm going to go put my money in a deal and I'm going to go raise money from other people, like, I want to be able to put my mom's 401k into it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my test. And if I don't feel comfortable doing that, you know, then I, I shouldn't be offering that um, to my investors. And so we pivoted off that strategy and started tailoring the fund specifically to, like, more medical S buildings, right? So, like, dialysis, um, which would be like Fresenius mm-hmm. or DaVita, mm-hmm. uh, Aspen Dental, surgery centers, urgent cares, things like that, um, essential businesses. So you can't get really interrupted by online. That's just, as you guys know, is really just kind of uh, impeding sales for a lot of the traditional retailers. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on on my end. And nice. I know um, we've been talking over the years. We've We've worked together on a few syndications and tried to connect some dots for one another. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, man, just something I'm, I feel really passionate about. Yeah, something oh, I want to do. And it's, uh, it's, it's fun being around people that are committed to real mm-hmm. estate and have been around because you know, there's just so many things you can talk about. Yeah. And you've been in it for a long time and in Austin. Um, and like, I have a lot of respect for, I, I feel like the way you go about it, you're very diligent, mm-hmm. uh, very analytical. And you're like, I mean, when, 
when we were talking, you're like, the way you run numbers is like so opposite <laughs> for me. Um, totally, totally. And but so that's I okay. Just, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know the deals you're doing mm -hmm. are good deals. Mm -hmm. um, so walk us through like the whole infrastructure. I mean, we've had other people do this. Uh, I think I introduced you to Ben Kogit. Yeah, Kogit. Yeah, doing good friend of mine. Somewhat similar, I guess. Yeah. Um, but like, I know yours is different, and and also with the way that you you're connected with some of the crypto. Is that? Yeah. I mean, I guess we could kind of kind of say that it's a little unique. It's it's new to the market, um, but it's regulated. It's you know it, everything is through the SEC. So this isn't something like random that's that's floating out there like some brand new Dogecoin or something like that. The, the problem that we tried to solve is really simple. Um, and you know this, whenever you invest into a private syndication, there's a lot of advantages to doing that. But your money is literally tied up. Mm -hmm. Like you're locked in there. So if you invest with me like a traditional syndication, I can do whatever I need to do to the property. You have no say, no control. Um, you're along for the ride. That's, that's why I've, I've never really wanted to invest in somebody else's syndication. Bingo. Because it's, it's locked in seven to 10 years. Exactly. And you don't know how it's going to perform. So Jason has a solution for you. Yeah. So the, <laughs> so we went about like, how do we solve this very fundamental problem? And the way we can do it is with this technology. I say it's a technology wrapper. It's, it's, it's not the driving force of the fund, but it's, it's an opt-in. So you can choose to, to pursue it if you want, or you can keep it as a traditional fund. If you opt in, mm -hmm you have the potential to sell your investment or a portion of it. So let's say, for example, I invested in the fund. Mm -hmm. It's paying me monthly cash flow. You know, I'm building up equity. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, let's say I've got a major life event. Let's say I've got a major surgery, right? My shoulders and knees are all screwed up from football and maybe my kidneys go to private school. So um, I could call Matt and be like, hey, Matt, you know, I've got $100,000 in this investment. It's paying me. 7% cash on cash, you know, do you, are you looking for an investment vehicle like this? And he goes, Oh yeah, great. Yeah, sure. Well, I can literally sell it to Matt. I can sell a fraction of it I can sell all of it. Um, and so that's one of the cool features is it gives you optionality. Now on top of that transaction, which is what we call a peer to peer transaction, I can put, um, my piece of the fund on a secondary exchange. And from there, you can have bidders come and choose to buy it from you or not. And that's the cool thing is you've got cool. multiple different options. Yeah. And um, here's the other advantage. And this is how a lot of people get confused with us with crypto. We, we have nothing to do with crypto. What we are, we are blockchain enabled. And that's what allows us to make these trades. And so everyone gets kind of confused with blockchain, it's crypto, it's not, it's the underlying digital ledger. That, that's really what mm -hmm. the blockchain is. And so um, one of the neat things is if you opt into the technology, you may be able to, you can choose US dollars to pay you monthly. You can choose um, what's called a USDC coin, which is a US stable coin, or you can put it uh, in ether. So you have a currency selection. Nice. And you literally can can play around with that if you like. How um, how do you know the the GPs? How do y'all manage? Uh, I I mean, depending on how the fund is structured, say it's you know accredited investors only. If uh, you know, I wanted to sell my shares to someone who's not an accredited investor, would that affect it at all? Would I be allowed to do that? Or 
This is such a good question. No one ever asked me this. And this is so cool. I think this is one of the, the best features of it. So you have to be accredited to buy the initial offering. But after the one year lockup period, I can sell it to any non-accredited, mm. which is deal. great, which yeah, is huge, man. Deal. And it's and it's monthly cash flow. And this isn't like a super high risky, like value add shopping center play, right? This isn't a brand new development. These are like, again, we're buying like 7-Elevens, <clears throat> DeVita, you know, we're, we're doing like Aldi's, Tractor Supply. Like these are corporations with a market cap into like the tens of hundreds of billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. So credit is fantastic. Mm. But the returns aren't like skyrocketing either. I'm not going to turn around a 20 IRR. That's that's not what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, we see ourselves as like an alternative to the fixed income world because, man, right now, look at look at bonds, man. Like, I think the 10 years at 1.7 today, mm -hmm. we've got junk bonds are under 4%. Corporate bonds are like 3%. I mean, these are negative real returns when you count for inflation. So if we can give something that's paying a cash on cash is 6 to 7%, and you're building equity every month with tenants paying that, and you get the optionality and all these benefits, we just, we feel like that's gonna unlock and mm -hmm. totally change the way syndications are done yeah. for your exact reason. So is it like, I get the aspect, which which is a huge value that it gives you optionality to buy and sell, and if if there's like a lot of value that's added to the property, then you can, you can sell it if you want to and someone else buys. Yeah. But like, help me understand there's REITs out there, right? You yeah, can buy totally. and sell public shares and, and have a similar concept. But I guess what I'm thinking is a REIT has so much more expenses in the corporate structure. And so it's run different than what you're doing, which is almost more like a private deal that allows the same benefits that a REIT does, but with less cost on the overall infrastructure, which most likely benefits the investors. 100%. So the way I like to say it is you get all the benefits of privatization, right? So you get a K-1 distribution. I can give it depreciation. Um, I can do accelerated depreciation through cost seg. Um, I get interest deductions, other things passed on to the investor. Um, and you get the liquidity optionality too from the REIT. Now the the problem with the REITs, and again, I'm not anti REIT do, guy. Real quick, you can't do the cost seg on a REIT, can you? On a public REIT? No, well, you, it's don't, a you don't get those. You don't get That's those benefits. It's, That's a pub, massive. it's a publicly traded. It's just like buying a stock, right? Yeah, you're buying the operating company, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and then those dividends that you get every month are, are paid at ordinary tax. So there's no tax advantages. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to use this analogy when when COVID hit, mm -hmm. right? Um, my my REIT stocks went down like thirty percent. And they're still down from pre-COVID highs. Well, my underlying building, like my 7-Elevens, they didn't, they didn't go down in value 30%. They actually went up in value, mm -hmm. right? So that's the difference between owning a REIT and owning a private real estate deal. Right. So my stuff actually got more expensive. We didn't drop 30% at all. Mm -hmm. So like because of um, that period of time, interest rates obviously fell off a cliff, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying there's perfect correlation between interest rates and cap rates, but there is something there. And so we actually saw cap rates dropping for a lot of our properties that we're going to go after, which means the value of those are going up. Right. right. So that's cool, man. That yeah. is really cool. So I, I definitely understand that. And now let's get into the more important thing, like yeah. the real estate, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I love, it, yeah, that's my thing. I mean, the technology stuff is awesome, but it is at the end of the day, it's all about the real estate. Yeah, yeah. and and we we probably should have talked about that first, but I don't think it matters because no, like, the fun stuff is talking about the security yeah, yeah. token it's, aspect, it's, man. It's, it's different. so unique yeah. and different, which I think is really cool. And mm -hmm. like, 
when you there's a lot of people that like hear that and like you said like it's it's legit like you have to say that which is unfortunate because it's so different that people just don't get it yeah you know and and it's a it's a what you know this is like boring terminology but it's a 506 um c reg d so just like your other syndications that you see out there i mean it's the same structure we just put the blockchain component on that that opens up all these options that's literally what it is. Let's talk about the technology just a little bit. Okay. Right. I actually <laughs> have another question. On that with, well. with, uh, so this isn't, you can't possibly structure it this way without the blockchain technology to where after one year I can sell, you know, part of my shares or part of my, you know, ownership in this fund. No, you can. So what's cool is, so, um, I'll, I'll give you a hypothetical example. So each unit is valued at $10,000, right? Minimum investment is is fifty thousand. So if you're a minimum investor, you get you get five units. You can sell those five individual units at any time. Mm-hmm. So if the market's really right for you, like let's say let's say like three years from now, cap rates on our pro- our properties are like so low, and it's like oh my god, perfect time to sell. Boom, you can sell it off to someone at a premium. You can or, sell one unit or two units. Yeah, you can sell one. Well, what, two. I guess what he was saying is. With traditional syndications, is there a way to structure it where you can sell your interest, uh, but it's not technically as efficient and through like the blockchain technology? Oh. Like in a, in a normal syndication, or does the blockchain allow that? Yeah, so the, the blockchain enables that. In a traditional private fund, there are sometimes called redemptions when you invest in funds where you can actually pull some of your money out, but, but that gets complicated. Um, a lot of times, Matt, like I know you and I are invested in the same deal in San Antonio. Like mm-hmm. you saw the PPM. It's like if we want to get out of there, mm-hmm. we get it. We have to take a haircut and, right. and there's no there's no right for them to buy us out. We mm-hmm. just hope that they can buy us out. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah. And I guess the other cool thing about it, too, is, is that um, and I imagine the way you're describing it, this is what it is, is that the. Uh, you know they they have autonomy to go out and sell it however they want right like if yeah. if cap rates drop down to you know say it's at 2 and they say hey andrew i've got you know this much ownership in in this fund and here's the cap rate therefore i'm valuing it at at this price and he can buy that from me and take over absolutely and you can buy if you're an existing owner you buy more shares from someone else that's what yeah. gets Increase me so owner. excited so yeah. like people ask me like hey are you going to cap like what if people sell it at a really bad discount i'm like no man it's that's everyone's freedom like that's their choice mm-hmm. i'm a milton freeman guy I like free markets like yeah if, if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do um and i'll be the first one to buy them <laughs> all right guys let's talk about today's sponsor glenn leblanc and supreme lending have been serving the austin market for 20 plus years they are a local lender with in-house underwriting so you're kept in the loop every step of the way whether you're doing a cash out for home repairs or first-time home buyer Glenn makes the lending process smooth and easy to navigate. Always available and able to educate buyers along the way. Choose a local lender when buying your next home. Call 512-672-9472 anytime. And if you say you heard this ad on our podcast, Glenn will refund your appraisal if you use him. Definitely reach out to Glenn. Glenn is a personal friend of ours. The link to his website is in the description below. Now back to the episode stocks right like yeah if there's a lot of volume being traded then it makes it easy to sell is is there not a lot of volume right now because it's, it's newer yeah great question so it is we're building up volume now 
So I think the technology, we're very early, like we're probably like first or second inning when it comes to digital securities. But as you can see, things are, I mean, obviously they've grown pretty, pretty mm-hmm. rapidly in the last year. So liquidity isn't, isn't there like a NASDAQ or an mm-hmm. S&P 500, obviously. So um, at, over time, mm-hmm. we feel like the market will create more liquidity sure. as things get more tokenized. And would, will there be a bid and an ask? Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And then also, so you said you have three options on how to get paid and which yeah. currency yeah. are two of them. Uh, the other two that are not USD, are they uh, digital currencies? They are. So mm-hmm. you could choose to get paid in the digital currency and also hopes that that value increases as well over time. Correct. And we have a strategic, well, um, I say this a little premature, we're, we're establishing a um, relationship with BlockFi. Are you guys familiar with BlockFi? Uh, yeah. um, so BlockFi is basically a, a crypto lender, mm. but you can get your distributions directly to your BlockFi account, um, and your BlockFi account earns interest. So right now I have stable coins, USDC, in my BlockFi account that pays me 8.6% interest. So what, pretty good. what we're trying to get our investors to do is, hey, look, if you like this technology, cool. If you don't, you don't have to opt in, but if you do, Maybe consider putting that all those monthly uh, distributions into BlockFi and earn eight point six percent is a lot. Yeah. yeah, well, and also too, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a disadvantage for opting in, right? You still have your ownership, still get paid yeah. USD. There's no difference except now you have an option. Yeah, and right? let's let's say let's say Alex, like you know, three years in, you're like, I don't really trust this security. I don't I want I don't want anything to do with it. I just want to pay my U.S. and get my U.S. distribution, just like a private fund. Three years from now, you're like, oh, you know what? I actually, I'm actually getting more educated. I like this. Like, actually, I'm gonna think I'm gonna opt in. You can opt in later. Oh, gotcha. So it's not like the moment you sign, you're signing your name and blood. Like, you can literally change it out. Wow, cool. So, can you take this this uh, system you're creating, mm-hmm. and can you use it with other syndicators? Where, like, you got your own syndication and your own system can you offer your system to another syndicator and have that be part of your business license it out because why would they not why would they not want it as an option yeah no i think they're i think a lot of syndicators are learning right now and everyone we talk to is just Mm -hmm. like like after i talk to them they're like wait and they want to go down the rabbit hole with me and they're like man this is this is so interesting um i think there's going to be some of those opportunities come our way but Man, it's not part of the strategy right all now. All I care about is is returning um, capital to mm-hmm. our investors. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I just want to literally help people achieve a level of financial freedom. Yeah. And so, you know, if those opportunities come in the future, cool, but, yeah. but definitely not the focus. Well, if you're, I know you're uh, you're very you're very smart, and you probably see the bigger opportunity with because you're doing something unique, right? Yeah, like, blue ocean opportunity. That, that's right. Yeah. That's what I like. I love when the, it's like, how can we be different? Like. You're not you. You're setting yourself apart, and you're not just a standard syndicator. Yeah. Yes, you have those same goals, but you have like a massive opportunity with what you're what you've added on to this. Yeah, I'm gonna butcher this quote, but you know, I keep going back to this this quote by Peter Thiel, which is like, look, you know, technology, like new advanced technology, is meaningless unless it creates value mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think I, I keep going back to I'm like this just creates so much value once mm-hmm. people can actually truly understand it and get comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see how syndicators a decade from now can do anything other than something like what we're doing nice. because investors are just going to want that optionality. You know, to Alex's point earlier, it's like, man, that's why I don't invest in those because I don't want my money tied up for 10 years. Like what if you 
man, what if you find an awesome deal with Matt to flip? And like, you're looking at it and you're like, oh my, this is a development opportunity of a lifetime. But dang, all my money's tied into these things I can't tap. Yeah, that's the whole reason Yeah, I don't want to. If, yeah. if I did have that opportunity, you know, I would have invested in probably two of them already. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how did you come up with this concept? I, I can't take credit for it. Um, in all honesty, I hated it at first. I was like, man, like, cause we were doing syndicate. You gotta, you gotta go back a year. We had two shopping centers under contract. One was in Nashville and the other one was in Houston. And I'm like, you know, foaming at the mouth. We're getting everything going. COVID hits. And it was devastating because we knew those deals were dead. Some of the tenants in there were not going to be able to make it through COVID. And so luckily we got our money back. There's a lot of money back too. I mean, you know, we, our money didn't go hard. Thank God. Um, but my partner's like, you know, look, man, like the syndication model, it, it will work. We can go and do some deals, but I think this is the future. And I went kicking and screaming. I was like, man, blockchain, like people look at this with a stigma. They're going to think we're crypto. Crypto's a mess. And remember back then, I think crypto was like blockchain, uh, not sorry, uh, Bitcoin was trading at like 8,000. Oh, I mean, that it was time? low back then. Yeah. March, this time last year. Yeah. So now everyone's like, oh, okay, I'm interested in this. Well, yeah, that's because, you know, Bitcoin's <laughs> right. at, you know, almost 60,000. But back then, like it had a lot of stigma. And right. I'm a, Matt knows me. I'm conservative in nature. Like, I'm, I, I look at life just a little bit differently. I want to I want to analyze it and understand it before I kind of dive in. And my partner really pushed me to get educated on it. And as I honestly started to figure it out and and realize I have um, strategic technology partners that this is all they do. Huge companies like unicorn companies like Securitize and BlockFi and. Um, we have a fund administrator that ha- handles like huge hedge funds mm-hmm. and they could they could structure this for us that that way I'm not having to do the heavy lifting um, yeah it was just a no-brainer because it just adds tremendous value for folks so you started you started looking into it and you're like all right man I, I think I see <laughs> well I mean it wasn't like all right man I mean it was like it was like okay it was like a book and then a book then maybe like a show and talking to some specialists yeah. and it took me a good like six months to finally get my head wrapped around it yeah. And then you're like, all right, let's go. I'm like, let's do it. Nice. Now, see, now if this was Matt, like this is what I love about Matt. Matt's like, ah, like forget it. Like I'm, I'm going to go all in. <laughs> I'm diving in. And see, that's the difference between yeah. Matt and I is like, that's what I love and admire about him is he just goes for it. Yeah. Well, thanks. He's man. all about action. It. And I'm, I'm the dude on the side, well, like takes... dipping my toe in first. and like, okay, it's not too, it's not too old. It's not too hot. You right, need, you need the balance. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I have with Alex. And that's mm-hmm. maybe what, Maybe your partner's more like me. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think he's got a little bit of that. Like he doesn't stop. Yeah, you know he just he you know he doesn't really watch TV. He doesn't really like waste time. He just goes. Yeah. Well, I'm excited, man. That's I mean, it's interesting to think about because we try to view things with a 20, 30, 40, 50 year mindset. Maybe even hundred. Yeah. Really, truly, and we all can see what what's happening in the the future and things are changing so fast mm-hmm. and so. It's fascinating to me because you're sitting here early on and I know you're very sharp and to understand like wh- what it's going to look like in 10 years could be, could be unreal. Yeah. Is, are there a lot of competitors or people that are doing similar things? Yeah. They, they're, um, the St. Regis, there, there's been a hotel. Um, I actually believe that it's easier to, to syndicate, uh, via a digital security on one asset. Like, right, so one office building, one apartment complex. I think it's so much easier that way. What we're doing is very unique in creating a fund where we're buying a basket of hopefully, you know, 50 to 100 properties, right? 
So um, that's been mm. a little challenging. And just to make things more interesting, we're allowing foreign investors to come into the fund as well. Nice. So we have we have a U.S. share and we have a foreign share. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. Now to the real estate. Yeah. Most important part. Like, That's right, man. Walk yeah. us through how do you how do you uncover these opportunities? How do you analyze them and determine which ones to, to go with? Yeah. Because all this is great. It's an add-on. It is. If you don't have good yeah. real estate, it's not going to work. Right? Yeah. And I know you're getting good real estate, so I kind of want to understand, like, what is y'all's process? 100%. So we, we've got some really amazing sharp partners. All of us have um, a REIT background or institutional level background. So... Um, tons of experience of analyzing deals and analyzing different markets. That's one of the coolest things about my job and my, my experience um, in real estate. It's like, man, I've worked in like the worst towns. I've worked on like the worst types of properties. Uh, I've worked in amazing markets. Like I get to go out to like, you know, Santa Monica and, and Seattle and you know, Denver and these other really amazing pockets and, and kind of get a feel for the lay of the land. Mm -hmm where we're really heavily focused is we like to look at demographic trends because we all know retail follows rooftops. So wherever the trend and growth are, that's where we want to buy assets, first of all. So we really like, there's been what we call this, it's corny, but a swarm to warm. So all the warmer states mm -hmm. have been getting huge population increases. So mm -hmm. Texas, you know, Phoenix, uh, Nashville, there's parts of Tennessee that are also growing, Clarksville, uh, Florida's growing, Atlanta's growing, uh, Virginia, North Carolina. And so we're really attracted to those areas that are bringing a lot of families, have good demographics. Um, and I can, I can dork out on this. So just stop me if, no, I, if I keep rambling. We'll, um, we'll go with you. You know, one of the big things is like, we want to be in what's called the retail nexus. So I, I want to be on the main street. You know, I, I want Walmart across the way. I want Target down the street. I want to be in like where everyone goes and congregates. Mm -hmm. so I want a lot of vehicles traveling per day. Mm -hmm. And then I want to be able to access that property really easily, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like going 60 and then have to swing in to mm -hmm. access the space because that's it's a It's real. That, that yeah. was a big learning point for me when I worked at Edge doing commercial. It was like yeah. the ingress and egress and, you know, whether you're in front of the light or behind the light, these things matter. Yeah. And we want, we want growing areas, like areas that are on the rise, right? So um, we want to look at the cities and the underlying um, demographics for that area. Um, we, you know, we can go into like lower income areas, higher income areas. We just need to make sure it matches up with the, the blend of demographics around it and where it's trending, right? So um, we'll look at detailed analysis there, make sure it's a diverse enough market. Uh, we're pretty familiar with the markets that we like to, to buy in at this point. Um, but you know, it's getting your butt out there, flying out there, making, you know, spending hours. The cool thing about our job is that, you know, um, man, we've studied so many different markets. Like I can go out to like Nashville and get a lay of the land on like, okay, here's the path of progress. Right. Like clearly we're seeing where it's at. Right. Like in Austin right now, we know Liberty Hill 183. I love to buy some single tenant stuff up there. Mm -hmm. uh, Round Rock's going through a resurgence, right? Yeah. Georgetown's doing really good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we kind of understand the pockets and then we do like a really deep dive on due diligence, probably too much. Mm -hmm. um, I think we need to streamline that a little bit more, but um, I think for the, for the start of the fund, I think more detail is better than less detail. Yeah. Um, and we're all cash buyers at first, right? So we're gonna, we're gonna raise money and we're gonna go buy those properties and then we're gonna get a portfolio loan on the back end. So that's another advantage we have compared to other people, right? So if you owned a, a CVS on a great corner, 
and you've got some REIT that's going to tie your building up for, for 90 days, mm-hmm. or I come in all cash, mm-hmm. you're going to probably want the all cash offer. Mm. That's great. And yeah. the, the due diligence is, you know, credit on the tenant, the obvious stuff. What, yeah. what are the things that are you think are maybe too detailed? Like, Well, so I'll go into this, like we're really buying these leases, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we're buying these future cash flows. And so I need to understand the nuances of that lease. And this is where I get really into the details. Like most leases, they have preset escalations. Mm-hmm. That's why they're so great against inflation. So big nationals like CVS, Walgreens, they're going to have a bump every five years. Mm-hmm. Some of my gas stations and some of my medical tenants pay me increases every year. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we need to make sure and kind of budget around kind of when those bumps are going to happen and make sure we have a nice blend that way that investors are getting that nice pop mm-hmm. and growth. And then there's no, no like crazy termination lease language in there. Um, there's no crazy assignment subletting language in there. So we want to come into it eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, they're like, Oh, you should go buy Starbucks. I'm like, how many Starbucks leases have you built or done? Cause I've done them. I can guarantee you they're, they're not friendly. Yeah, they're brutal. Yeah, and people buy these things in like a five cap or four and a half cap. And I'm like, man, do you have any rights they have in that lease? They can exit like that. Right. They can sublease assign it to anybody. Mm-hmm. To me, that that comes with a risk premium that we, we try to stay away from. Mm-hmm. With uh, You were talking earlier about correlation between interest rates and cap rates. Um, so you're, I assume you're talking about they, they move together. Yeah, yes. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I... You can probably play around with this a little bit. Uh, I've listened to different economists, but from my general feeling is, um, look, if, if interest rates are low and access to capital is cheap, right? Uh, naturally, you're going to see uh, these assets swell up, and that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. So you see a lot of cap rate suppression. And with all the money, money supply, new money. Oh yeah. I had a buddy call me last night. He was drinking, bro- kind of big broker in town. He's like. Dude, we just need to buy assets. I figured it out. Inflation is coming. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. I've been on that train for 10 years. Yeah. Buy real estate, man. Always. Always. Yeah. What have you been buying? (laughs) I know. Like, I I hate sitting on cash. Me too. I've been sitting on way too much. It bothers me. It's hard, right? Yeah. Psychologically. We just, we get it out, man. Like, anytime we get a little, and ours is interesting. You know, I, I think about multiple markets and it almost, there's like a, I guess it's because we're so focused here. Yeah. Like trying to learn another market to me is like such a process. Oh yeah. No, and like, I, I just want to zone and I, and everyone has different strategies. Yeah. Our goal has been like, we want to be Austin real estate resource, like everything Austin. And that's going to keep us you know, at, at this time from doing all these other cities. Sure. But if we were to do other markets, we'd probably miss out on stuff here. Yeah. And it's just different strategies. You know, hundred percent. I I think I would be more in line with what you're doing, if I didn't have those relationships outside the state. Mm-hmm. Like I can call, like three of the top guys in Florida, mm-hmm. and you trust them, and you yeah yeah. yeah. Or if I know they're BSing me, right? Or right. I can call the, the the best guys that I that I know in Atlanta. Yeah, but I think also like for what you're doing, like you have a niche. Like you're like we're trying to buy this type of most likely is it retail? Yeah. It, well, it's, it, we we call it essential businesses, right? So it's not. You know, medical buildings or I, I guess right. quasi retail, right? But essential businesses. So something that's not going to be crushed by online. Got it. Yeah. So when you have a niche like that, like it doesn't really matter where you want to buy. Yeah. Where like for us, it's like we we just want to zone in on whatever good value there is in Austin. We're interested. It could be 
self-storage. It could be raw land. It yeah. could be mobile home. Um, I agree. So it's just, well, what is y'all's um, strategy there uh, for, you know, those businesses in that real estate? Because you buy one of those essential businesses in Austin, you may be paying a, a ton more than you would in some random city in Tennessee. Like is the yeah. goal for the cash flow or, you know, working both sides of the appreciation and the cash flow for, for your investors or what is the goal of the fund there? Absolutely. It's a mix of both. It's just greater diversity. Um, and I have nothing wrong with match. So I don't want to like, no, no, it's just, it, it. I, yeah. It, I mean, it's just, it's just different perspective. We're doing totally yeah, different things. Totally. I, you know, but I think of like, if I'm over levered in one market, like if, if tech and VC money dries up in Austin and people stop coming here and the city mm-hmm. keeps making, um, poor decisions yeah. that affect business, like yeah. you're, you're hamstrung to, to what's happening here. Totally. Whereas like, you know, if I'm in these other pockets, you get the, if one's down, another one may be up. Mm-hmm. One, the other one's down, the other one's up. Yep. And so I like the diversity, but it's, um, look, I'm, I'm heavy cash flow. That's why I'm so big on like paying people monthly. I'm like, I'm obsessed with that. I'm like, you gotta pay people monthly. Um, it's an income fund. But at the same time, we, we would like to have some appreciation, even though when we model these things out, we're not, we're not anticipating like huge cap rate drops. I mean, cause we're pretty historically low. But the, uh, the assets, the individual assets that we'll be going after are going to be like gas stations, mostly medical, but you know, we got gas stations, auto service, right? So like you got to get your tires changed. You know, I know you got a nice big out, big truck out there, right? You're going to have to change the brakes on it, get an oil change. You're going to have to fix it, maintain it. So we like those types of uses, mm-hmm. not the auto parts stores. I'm talking about the physical, you got to right. go in there and get it fixed. Right. Um, we like daily needs. So like uh, a tractor supply grocery store like an Aldi's. Um, we'll look at some dollar stores, even though um, they're more of a defensive play. They do better during recessions and mm-hmm. kind of do weaker during times of high growth. Um, and that really kind of rounds out our fund. There's some other little pockets that we may dip our toes into. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like Easy Ponds, a publicly traded company. Um, they've got pretty decent credit. You know, if I can buy one of those at a six and a half cap in Houston, good area. Um, that's something we'd probably take a look at. And then maybe one or two telecommunication deals with like a Verizon or AT&T because um, the credit's outstanding and they need that brand awareness with their customer. So, um, you know, we like some of those assets to kind of round it out. The Real Estate Podcast is sponsored by Doyen Inspections. Doyen is a team of female professional home inspectors that serve the greater Austin area. Whether you are buying a resale, building a new home, or about to list your home for sale, the ladies at Doyen Inspections can inspect your home. They provide a color-coded and thorough inspection report full of images, videos, and explanations. Visit Doyen, that is D-O-Y-E-N-N-E, inspections.com for more information or give them a call at 512-655-9940. Now back to the episode. Is it a lot of, uh, do most of your deals come from brokers or listed? Or are you guys doing a lot of off market? Like um, what's that process? Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's probably about like, I'd say like five to 10 key players that you have to establish relationships with. Um, I get off market deals sent to me like once a week. Really? And yeah, I mean, they're, they're constantly sending me stuff and it's funny cause you know this, it's like, Oh, off market. Like that must be like the best yeah, deal. Yeah, it's yeah. like, sometimes it isn't the best deal. No. Right. I, yeah, no. I know. I, I used to struggle with that. Like, what does this even mean off market? It just yeah. means that like, it's not technically listed on the MLS. <laughs> yeah, or exactly. It's, not right? on it's the a market. joke. Yeah. 
Everyone else has like, seen hey, it. Hey, man, I got the secret. Yeah. It's at a four cap. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. no, it's not, bro. It's not a four cap. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, we get a lot of off-market deals. We have a lot of relationships with like the big brokers. Yeah. And I've been going out to ICSC like every year. And so I know a lot of these guys and I'm also a CCIM so I can call up my network and, mm-hmm. and find a way in, but um, it's a numbers so game. So it's through the networking for, yeah. in a lot of ways and, and the people you know. And you'll actually appreciate this because you get it. Like, I'm not saying your business because I don't know all the details, but it's a lot of volume, right? Like wholesaling and renos, like there's a lot of product on the market at any given time. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of like apartments on the market, big mm-hmm. apartment complexes on the market at one time. Right. But these single tenant buildings, they range from like, a million to like five million dollars and so they're always floating out there right mm-hmm. and you just got to be on it it's kind of like um if you wanted to buy a house here in austin right like dude i know you're bird dogging like you're probably on like refresh right and yeah, you've got we, people all on yeah we have speed I mean, dial our wholesale i don't can you tell me about the wholesale like what we do i mean yeah but it's just a lot of um we have some that focuses on the MLS and, and what's there, mm-hmm. but then most of the is uh, just through outbound outreach to directly to the sellers. We have a, I mean, multiple so VAs, cold yeah. calling, mailers, door knocking. Yeah, I mean, and that's another strategy we want to implement. Like, let's say we're really big into like Seven Elevens, right? But we don't want to pay a Seven Eleven cap in Austin. Well, all right, let's find like smaller suburbs in Florida or Atlanta, and let's. Look, there's 50 of them. Let's send them. Let's yeah. send them a letter. Yeah, and that was my question earlier. Is like, uh, you know, uh, the cap rates. Obviously, if it's some smaller city in Florida and you just want a 7-Eleven, like maybe you get a 12 cap in in Florida, but it's the same 7-Eleven here that would be here in Austin. Yeah. And so y'all are going for those 12s. Yeah, we go for we go for a blend. I mean, you know, um, what's interesting about like residential versus commercial, right? Is, you know. You, the cap rate really dictates the price and there's other functions that dictate where the cap rate is based on the uh, the cycle we're at um, and so you know we want to be we want to be cautious we want to make sure to buy in the right areas but we're also yield we also want to yield so it's it's how do you find that diamond in a rough I don't want to overpay for an Austin asset because keep in mind these 7-elevens I'm just using them as an example they'll have a 10-year lease and then they'll have three five-year options well they're all preset options. So if I were to buy that bid and on appreciation, I'm probably going to get under market value because 7-Eleven signed that deal saying, hey, look, we know Austin's going up rent-wise. Yeah. So I'm going to bake in my rental escalations now and maybe be 20% out of the market. And so that doesn't do any of our investors any good, right? So um, yeah, we look, for, we look for a blend and we try to find those like uh, misused toys, right? in these markets that are what we think are growing like crazy and um most investors want to put them in the best markets and i i understand that but you know if i could find like a deal in round rock i'd be all over it like i looked at a jiffy lube the other day it's six cap kind of down the street Mm -hmm. great location all the vehicles are driving past it a day easy access great visibility nice parking it's a huge franchisee he owns over like a thousand units i love that credit you know and he's got seven years left on his term Mm -hmm. He's got baked in rent escalations. I'm not touching maintenance. Mm-hmm. So there's no like toilets I got to replace. There's no roof I got to replace. Um, he does it all. For the maintenance there on those uh, leases. Um, so on this one specifically, the roof, anything, he takes care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but are, do y'all have, I imagine y'all do have somewhere y'all have to take care of the roof or the foundation or? Every once in a while. So I think we'll have a very small, small percentage 
of our fund that will be invested in what's called double net uh, properties. So like Aspen Dental's one that I'll say, like usually Aspen does double net leases where it's like, okay, we pay for taxes, we pay for insurance and most maintenance, but Mr. Landlord, you take care of the roof and the foundation. So if that's the case, you got to bake in a premium into the cap rate purchase and underwrite the risk. Mm -hmm. Hey, if it's a building built in 2019, brand new roof, it's got a 10 year warranty. I'm not as concerned. Mm -hmm. Right. But if it's one that was built in the seventies or eighties and it's looking a little wary, you know, like I'm probably not touching that because to replace a roof's like five bucks, six bucks a foot, Mm -hmm. you know, on on a 4,000 square foot space, it's not huge, but it's, you know, that could wipe you out cash flow wise. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about like other syndicators like Ben or anyone else. Like, do you guys pass deals on to each other? That does that happen a lot? Like, hey, um, I have great respect. A lot of deals. Yeah, no, I've got great respect for what Ben's doing. I just saw he he just shot me over an email for an office deal that he wanted me to invest in. Um, yeah, we we do different things. Like, I think Ben's going more after like shopping centers. Yeah, office, um, maybe some industrial. Every once in a while, our paths will cross. Mm-hmm. I think they're, uh, you know, I say this with all respect, I think they're more of a deep value add type of operator. Like they're looking for that diamond in the rough. Like they'll go invest in like Illinois, yeah. Detroit, you know, things like that, which are cool. But, you know, there's to me, there's risk, right? And so uh, I'd rather invest in like a Florida and pay a little bit of the premium and not get as much pop, but but understand that I'm not having to take on that risk as well because you know, what happens if that tenant moves out in Detroit, you know, who's mm-hmm. going to backfill it and at what rent, right. You know, um, you know, maybe they win, maybe they don't, but mm-hmm. you know, you get a better return most likely probably. Yeah. No, I'm just, there's something that I'm just fascinated with cause I'm, I'm in the networking, you know, space and like if people are doing somewhat similar things, I feel like there's almost always something like, but it never comes to the forefront if you're not actively thinking about yeah. it. Like just even, you know, you talking to a broker, there's not not just Ben for an example, but like anyone, like the more people that you're collaborating with, yeah, the better. That's right. There's got to be things that you a broker said that you could relate to this guy or me or Alex or whatever, and vice versa. And I yeah. think if people can can hone in on that, there's a lot of value that can be created. Totally. And that's what agree. I try to do with like really understanding what people are looking at and yeah. looking for. Man, I'm all about helping people. Right. You know what I mean? Like I know, you know, I'd do anything to help you guys out. Um, Thanks. And like, I, you know, I think Ben is great. Like I, I, I'd invest with them. I, you know, uh, I wish him the best. And sometimes it's just good to collaborate and like yeah. share ideas. Yeah. You know, but I'm rooting for them. I want them yeah, to yeah, crush absolutely. it, you know? Absolutely. And, um, yeah, but that's, that's how I kind of feel about all this indication stuff. I, I want, uh, I want more investors in, in real estate because of all the benefits, you know, at the end of the day. Is that, is that, is that what you love about real estate? All the, is real estate your favorite asset? It is, but it's it's really it's not so much. I don't get like goosebumps thinking about real estate at night. Yeah. I, I it's I use it as a vehicle. Dude, I, to I, me, I agree. To me, it's just a great vehicle. You know, I grew up. My dad, you know, had issues with work and addiction issues, and so like I saw what a nine to five, which wasn't really a nine to five, but like crushing his energy and spirit and how it affected our family. And I was like, man, I don't want anyone to go through that. Yeah. So for me, it's all about like what can I do to enhance people's financial freedom and the vehicle just so happens yeah, yeah. to be real estate. I'm on that. I, about six months ago, I realized it. I would mm-hmm. always say I'm so passionate about real estate. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm not. Are you? Yeah. You just I'm like, just passionate about what real estate will allow. Yeah. Yeah. And I want freedom, man. Like, 
you know, I was, I was climbing the corporate ladder and, and, you know, I saw where my path was going and it was like, Hey, we want you to be head of asset management for a $14 billion company. And like, you'll never have to worry about money again. But I remember him telling me, he's like, the hours are, you know, it's going to be everything. I mean, it's, and I'm like, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want to move to Chicago. I don't want to, you know, yeah, great. I'll make a big salary, but Mm -hmm. never be able to hang out with my kids. I won't be able to coach them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd rather take a pay cut and have more flexibility and have a chance to just learn. Cause I, I noticed this cycle in me a lot, which is like, you're just busy and you're just running in a circle. Mm -hmm. You're not growing. You don't have energy to give towards anything else. And it wasn't very fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, what's exciting is like hanging out with people like you guys talking, learning, like I want to learn about what you guys are doing more to see if I can connect some dots for you. Mm-hmm. Go read, go explore something that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. That to me is fun. Yeah. Um, but you got to be able to control your time to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. And, and uh, we talk about like having, I, I talk about having staying power. Like if you have the ability to stay in the business, mm-hmm. real estate, like there's always something around the corner. Yeah. But you got to be in it and you can't yeah. be, I don't think you can be part-time. I mean, you can do whatever you want on the investing side, but like to do it right, it, you got to be really engulfed in it and hear what's going on and know the players yeah. and know the market and all that kind of stuff. I totally agree. And actually you were, we were both athletes. Um, man, I'm super competitive. Me, not so much like you. I was so competitive. He played, I st- he played college football. I'm, I'm still super competitive, like in an unhealthy way. I this, better this now. This is the athlete, Andrew. Uh, I like it. <laughs> starting like varsity it. linebacker. But I'll tell you nothing. I hate, I hate losing more than I like winning. I'm still that line from Moneyball, but like, nothing gives me more satisfaction than like busting my ass and and knowing that it was that's what paid off like Mm -hmm. it wasn't anything god get you know god given it was literally just my effort that that puts me atop i think that's like the coolest thing Mm -hmm. right so like your extra like 30 minutes that you gave on a saturday yeah that you met that one-off guy like six months ago Mm -hmm. brings you a deal that's great and Mm -hmm. it's like to me that's like god yeah. I didn't want to go to that meeting that day. I was exhausted. Yeah. I was really tired. Like I had stuff going on with my life, but I did it. It was fun. And then now I get the reward. Mm-hmm. Like that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Putting in the work, man. And yeah. It's a, I just feel lucky. I mean, I, I just look around. I'm like, it's a beautiful life. There's just so much opportunity. One, we live in America, you know, that, yeah. that alone, like yeah. there's every opportunity in the world. And I, I see it time and time again. The people that really want to accomplish stuff, they can. And I know I used to yeah. think is like kind of cliche. And back when I was, you know, trying to trying to get to a certain point, I'm like, man, I'm never going to get there. But it, it, you, you, you almost have to have that fear. It's good to feel like you're not going to get there. Yeah. And try and keep that. Yeah. That's that's how I kind of view that. I, you know, it's funny. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like I had I had done something. I was chasing something that I thought I wanted. And when I got it, I was just empty. I was like, man, is this all there is? Mm-hmm. Have y'all ever had that feeling before where you mm-hmm. do something and you're like, and you realize that's not what fulfills you. Like it's yeah. actually the, it's actually the grind and the chase. And it mm-hmm. took me a while to realize that like, and I love that aspect of it. Like mm-hmm. I wanna get down and I wanna put in the work. But at the same time, like um, when you get to that place, it, it shines a light on like who you are and like what, you're, what drives you and, and what, mm-hmm. what you're passionate about. And if, and if you're not doing it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. That's to me, that's like, yeah, I think everyone has like an innate superpower, right? Like their yeah. ability to do something that, that just is better than the next person. And if you're not exploring and tapping into that, I feel like a little bit of your soul is dead. So I love it. Say, sorry so, to get weird on no, you, but no, like, hey, honestly, man, man like honestly, that, I've, I've thought about it. I feel like for me, it, it's, it's a connector. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm just a connector. 
Yeah. Uh, someone said this other day, and I, I, I thought it was kind of cool. He's like, when they were making you in the heavens, like, this is what they made you for. Yeah, like, man. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what, what is it for you? You, you? Have you thought about that? Like, You know, I, honestly, I just think it's helping people, man. Like, I get more satisfaction. I don't care about all the material stuff. I, I've got a funny story. When I was a young broker, I, I bought the nice car. I had, like, the nice clothes. I didn't realize I had to pay taxes on my commissions. <laughs> got an IRS bill of like 15K and I had like literally like a couple grand to my name. Um, but I went broke with that, man. Yeah. I went broke from that. And it was so nice because it kind of just, you know, once once all that fear goes away and I failed, I've failed so many times in life, like big failures, like with football and with relationships and financially. And you know, I think if you, when you're in those moments, like you can use that negativity for like a positive mm-hmm. or it, it can just take you down even further. And for me, it's, it's, it's given me space to like figure out what's important and, and it's just helping people. Mm-hmm. It's literally, that's, I don't care about much of anything other than like being a good dad um, and adding value for people. That's awesome. It's mm-hmm. a good way to live. Yeah, man. Especially in real estate business. Yeah, and we're in a good city to do it too. Austin's been very kind, right? I mean, God. Yeah, we call it Opportunity City. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I yeah. think they're just, it's everywhere. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I met a girl today from California and she's like, I, I'm from Silicon Valley and like all I do is I look around and I feel like this is that 15 years ago. And I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I, yeah. I, I think we're in the best market uh, for you know, 20, 30 years thinking what yeah. this place is going to look like really just kind of blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think of it as positive as anyone could. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of what you were saying, like, and not, not that you're wrong by any means about like betting on one market. Yeah. The way I think of it, it's like, if I'm going to bet on anything, I'm going to bet on Austin. Yeah. And then you think about the politicians and stuff. You're like, Oh, maybe, maybe I'm betting on politicians and that's not smart. Cause they can make a difference. You know what though? Um, I, everyone has to quote Buffett, right? If you're going to talk for an hour about business, you got to quote Buffett. You know, he's hyper specialized. Yeah. And he talks about his, his core of competence and like he waits for the fat pitch, mm-hmm. man, your fat pitch is Austin. And there's no right or wrong reason. Like, dude, I talked to brokers mm-hmm. that, that only focus on Austin that have done extremely well. Mm-hmm. Built businesses here. It's, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. And I see you, you know, 20 years from now, you'll be, God, I don't know what you'll be doing, but it'll be something related. And I think it'll be bigger and better, right? It'll just, it'll just continue to grow and compound in mm-hmm. a positive way. But if you're hyper-specialized and you know what you're good at, mm-hmm. yeah, you can just hit that same pitch, right? Right. And, right. and, and just kill it. Man, talking about Buffett, just kind of random, but I, I was like just sitting there just wondering because he's sitting on all that cash still, I think. Yeah, Close he did all those buybacks last year. Do you see that newsletter he sent out? I, the recent one? Yeah. I, I didn't go through it. Those yeah. are really cool, though. I like this. He's a great, he's a great writer. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where they spent a lot? Did they spend a lot of it? Because what I understood, they had almost $100 billion in cash. Oh, yeah. Huge cash position. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like in the middle of COVID, I'm like, dude, he, he's probably loving this. But yeah, I don't even think he did anything. And like, even even more to his testament, like, that's how patient he is. He's like, no, I'm I still gonna that. wait. I love it. Yeah, um, and his partner is the best, isn't he? Yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. my, you know, he's. I think listening to Munger at conferences is probably like my favorite YouTube. Like, just go down the rabbit hole on YouTube. I'm like, but this guy is still killing it. He's not even intentionally he, making you know making jokes, but he's just yeah, yeah, he's yeah. sharp. He's I, super uh, sharp. I called his office in college. Did you? And I was like, can I talk to Warren? And they're like, who, who the hell is this? It's like, my name's Matt. You know? He's like, uh, sorry, we don't do that. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Yeah, he's probably in there reading or playing some I know. Uh, I'm like, my bridge. heart was beating when I called. Like, it was racing. I'm like, 
Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. No, his stuff uh, about value investing and, you know, the direction with him and Charlie have gone is, is just fascinating. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I That's love the, their approach, though. When I, I was helping a friend recently with stock, and I'm like, if you're going to buy any stock, just buy Warren Buffett stock. Like, yeah. Well, I, like, I don't really personally, like, why would you buy a fund and have your financial advisor put you in these funds? Like, just buy Warren Buffett. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Buy what he's buying. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with that, man. And they're well diversified, too. Yeah. And, you know, I think Buffett's advice for most people is like, hey, 90% S&P 500 index, low cost, 10% short-term bonds. Mm-hmm. Like, people try to make it super complicated, and mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah, yeah, and he's had some of those bets with hedge fund guys. Yeah, that's what right. would perform better well, over 10 yeah. years, and he always wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you bought a S&P this time last year, you'd be up about 50-some percent. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty tough, but then you can, you know, you can play games with numbers too, right? Like from 2000 to 2010, S&P was flat. Yeah. Right. You know? Right, I know. The last, the last 12 months, you'd be yeah. up 50%. Recency bias right there. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always looking for my biases when I'm looking at deals, but yeah, I used to be a big uh, Bogle fan. Like I think, you know, the founder of Vanguard's like, I think he's created more wealth for, for the more of like the average person through index funds and things like that. And mm-hmm. just like the message of long-term investing because from what I've read and what I've learned is like it's really easy to be a trader like it's fun it's exciting it's exhilarating but like it's really hard to stick to a plan yeah and rebalance into the pain right and like once you commit to that and you're like okay I'm gonna buy this even though it's down and I'm gonna it'll hurt but you just stay to it and stay to it and then that experience pays off like yeah. i had a i had a really tough time in the middle of the pandemic cuz i had i have a lot of my percentage wise in stock yeah uh, cannabis stock cuz i just believe in that and it was tough man and i but i stuck through it and i bought more and you know now like it's rebounded and it'll have these little dips and like people are panicking and i'm like that ain't no dip. Like, yeah, if that's a dip, I'm doing good. Yeah. And what I realize is that long-term approach, if you're in it, it just gets easier and easier. And you realize yeah. like these things do change Yeah. when everyone thinks it's bad. Yeah. You know, depending, you obviously got to be in the right companies, yeah. but that long-term approach with everything in life, um, yeah. with meetings, like I'm, I'm learning a lot of having massive amount of meetings. Sure. And I'm, I'm on this kick now of like, I'm just trying to meet you right now. Yeah. I don't really even want to talk business. We'll talk business on the third or second meeting. Yeah. But everybody wants to close the deal. Like This episode is brought to you by Housemax Funding. Housemax is one of the fastest growing hard money lenders in America, specializing in loans that provide you the cash needed to fund flips, buying holds, and ground up construction projects. Housemax gives you the ability to compete with all cash buyers and increase your velocity by closing in 7 to 10 business days. If you're looking for cheap hard money and a relentless originator who will make sure your deal gets funded, call or text Bryce Tennyson today. 512-627-6192. Bryce is a great friend of ours. He actually funds all of our hard money uh, loans and uh, he'll get the job done for you. Uh, so make sure you give him a call. Back to the episode. You know, you know how many title companies like want to like have our business and, and they approach it like we're going to have one coffee meeting and then all, yep. all of a sudden we're just going to give them all our work. Yep. Doesn't work like that. And like people miss that. And yeah. if and if me as a networker can approach it completely different, then that is my competitive advantage. Like I'm yeah. going to be having the sixth conversation with this person, and not just one and done, and yeah. and looking for that sale right away. 
And I'd rather invest. It's, it's all about relationships, man. I'd rather invest with people that I know and respect. Like if, if honestly, you know, all joking aside, if Matt brought me a deal tomorrow, like you're like, hey man, you into this? Mm-hmm. I'd probably just be into it. Yeah. You know, because I know you. I know you're gonna put your lot of like your heart and soul into it, and, and put you know smart due diligence into it. Um, I just invested in an industrial building in St. Louis, Missouri, and like it's a guy that I know and I've known him for years and the guy's crazy. All right. He's, he's even like a little weird as far as he's the wild card. Yeah. And then you got the other guy who's like this, you know, he's the face and you can go out there and sell, but they didn't need to do any of that with me. I'm like, here, boom, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I could sit there and analyze the deal and I could say, well, you know, sensitivity, this and the more, you know, end of the day, I want to be with people that I respect. Right. You know, and that to me, like you get that through learning and, and meeting people. Yeah, and it takes Putting time. Putting yourself out there too. Yeah. It's not easy and it's Dude, it's not, man. I still get know? shut down all the time because yeah. I'm I'm outbound trying to meet people and it kind of sucks because I I truly am going at it in a way that I know works. Like yeah. the way I feel is if somebody's very serious about real estate, especially if they're like serious about it in Austin, I strongly I almost just know 100% there is a way I can add value for them. Yeah. And if I can just get in there and figure out what it is, I'll do that. Yeah. But, you know, there's just so many people that are like, what, what's this about? I'm like, honestly, I'm just trying to meet. Like, seriously, I just want to meet you and yeah, introduce no strings. myself. And no I, strings. I know I can add value. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people know that the networking thing's valuable. And they, they're like, I need to do that. But they don't. You know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm lucky that I'm able to do that and that I've found something that I want to zone in on. Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, one, this this format's awesome. I think these are the types of podcasts people need to be having because I, I go on the other ones, they're all scripted, right? Here's the questions. Yeah. Well, you know, for the most Dude, part. Dude, you're right. Now that I think about it. You know, it's like, we're, okay. We're more like, at least for me, like I love Rogan. He's the number one podcast and that's yeah, how they great. do it. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be an interview. That's an interview. It's like, let's just talk. It's not authentic, man. I, I think about that all the time. I just had to do a large presentation. And it's like, I'm literally scripted like a robot, you mm-hmm. know? Just going through it, checking each box, and um, you know some people are going to learn that way, but not many. Mm-hmm. And if you really study, like giving speeches and stuff, most people don't care. Like if they don't, if you don't grab their attention within the first like couple seconds, you're done. Mm. Alligator part of your brain shuts off. They're mm-hmm. not interested. They're off doing something else. They're not even. They're not even hearing you. Right. All right. they can pick up on is your energy. Mm. So. I anyway, I used to have fear of public speaking. Yeah, I did you know, too. Actually. I still do, but like, you know, it's it's gotten better. But so I'd read all these books from these like world renowned speakers and, and I always remember that before I give a big speech. It's like, hey, no one gives a shit. Yeah. Like Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. one no not a lot of people are gonna be listening. Yeah. So just like do your thing, be positive, have good yeah, energy yeah. and half of the people are gonna hate it. Be real. Yeah. Yeah. Other half you know, whatever. You know, they may connect. Yeah. You know, it's fun. I had the same thing. And I remember in college, I was like, I have to be able to speak in front of people. Yeah. If I want to do like anything, you know, big in life. That's mm-hmm. how I felt. And I literally, I signed up for this thing called Toastmasters. And I remember like walking, I didn't even want to walk in the class. I was like, my heart was racing. I'm just like pacing. I was like, yeah, I ain't going in there. Yeah. But I was doing this on my own free will. Like yeah. I was just wanted to do it. And I, I started praying about it, man. And I was like, please like help me like feel led to this and then I went in and I did my first speech and like it went away like right when I started it was like just taking that step yeah I realized it wasn't that big a deal yeah you got to expose yourself to stuff in life yeah. man that's to me that's what it's all about and yeah. like go fail but have fun make fun with it like yeah the older we get like the less we play and I think you got to make fun with with your job dude I mean we're doing this all day you know right. have yeah. fun with the people you're connecting Love with it. like be present go Enjoy. fish with them go golf with them go hang out like yeah. 
establish real relationships, turn the phone off. Yeah. You know, and uh, this is kind of random, but when I thought of this yesterday, you're talking about like, there's always going to be people negative, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, think about Elon Musk, right? Like the way I view it is I almost think like, he's like, like in a, a movie, He's like the richest dude that's usually the bad guy, yeah. but he's a good guy. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah, yeah, Like he's doing positive things for humanity. Agreed. And there's people that hate on him. And I'm like, if if people are going to, I can't really understand. Maybe I don't know enough about him, but I'm like, why would you hate someone like that? And so what I started thinking about is like, and we don't have any haters right now, but I'm like, once we start getting people talking mess and hating on us, that's probably a good thing. Like uh -huh. that means that we're like making it. That's right. You know, that's right. You know, we uh, we do like these uh, webinar meetups and we, we get all kinds of people on there and we have an open chat and like every once in a while we'll get just like a nasty thing in there. And it it's funny to see the reactions from my partners because everyone gets like super defensive. And I just I'm like, dude, laugh it off. Like, yeah. who cares? Yeah, that's Whatever. what I'm saying. Exactly. It's going to happen. Right. Yeah. I remember when uh, I missed the field goal. I was a freshman. Um, this is a fun story. So first time away from home, I'm in Oklahoma. I don't know what's going on, right? Like I'm this little 190 pound field goal kicker and I somehow uh, win the starting job. So I just, I was 18 when I was trying out, 19. I'm kicking at UCLA is my first game. Freaking Gary Busey's on the sidelines. You know Gary Busey? Yeah, yeah. yeah crazy dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally, yeah. So yeah. like, you know, I'm not a Gary Busey fan, but I'm a big, big like 80s, early 90s, like Van Damme, Steven Seagal fan, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm like, oh my God, under siege. And we started talking, <laughs> right? We start talking and uh, the dude is a nut, like legit. Yeah. And all, you know, I'm kicking into the net. But you know, they have like the kickers like, hey, get the hell out of the way. You're in the corner, right? So we're in the corner, we're kicking into the net. So that's where Gary is over, over there with me. And we start talking and, and I'm like, I should be focusing. This is my first college game ever. <laughs> ABC, you know, big deal, I'm in the Rose Bowl. And uh, towards the end of the game, I've got to kick an important field goal. And so I go out there and I'm like, you know, you talk about like stage fright. Yeah. Just like I black out, kick it. It goes in. Thank God. Nice. Um, come off the sidelines. Yeah. It's through. Good. I mean, I could have shanked it. I mean, seriously, that's, <laughs> that's how nervous I was. Um, so much energy going through me at that moment, but I come off the sidelines. Gary's like, Hey, let's get the fans going in the game. So he's like, let's grab these footballs and start punting them into the stands. <laughs> what the hell? I'm like, what the shit? Are you kidding me, Gary? And, you know, and he's like, all right, all right, on three, on three. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm going to get kicked off the team. Like, this, you know, because the kickers have these certain balls in their nets, right? Yeah. Anyway, we, he pulls a prank on me. He doesn't do it. Um, <laughs> Are you serious? No, he, 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 he was like, oh, oh no, no, it's, it's probably not a good idea. Like, you know, he can't move very well, too. He's, he's been in like accidents and stuff. Yeah. You know, my punt, I was, I was like, man, if I punt this ball, it's going to go like, you know, it probably hurt somebody. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, what, what I was trying to get to and I got derailed was, you know, it's funny how life works. I, I played an away game at Missouri when Missouri was good. They had like Brad Smith as a quarterback. You probably don't remember this, but I, don't I remember, remember I remember all these fun games and I kicked a game winning field goal. Um, I went big 12 special teams player of the week, nice. front page paper, ESPN, top 10, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, I'm in my own world. I'm not, you know, I'm 19. I'm going to like go hang out with my friends, play video games, whatever. Uh, next week we play OU. It's college game day. They're number one, number two in the country. We're number 11. We're a state rival. Um, game comes down to a kick. I got to kick a 50 yarder to tie the game, miss it by two yards. And 
the next day on campus, like this guy's a fucking bum. Like front page of the paper, me with like bawling my eyes out, like Damn. You know, sort of. Pr- and I'm sitting in class because I'm an, I'm you know, I feel like I'm in good shape, but I'm you know compared to like my football dudes, like you know I'm small. I'm sitting there in class and people are like, man, that kicker, like what a piece of shit, like terrible, right? Damn. And I'm like, man, and that's life though, right? Like you have to be able mm-hmm. to take the ups and downs, and like just literally those people don't know me and if they did they would probably never say that but it's easy to look from the sidelines yeah. and judge totally and they don't yeah. know all the pain and all the work that we went through to get to that place right mm-hmm. so whenever i see criticism i just have to laugh yeah like thank god i wasn't during like the twitter age i would have been roasted yeah <laughs> freaking roasted. well it's a freaking 50 yard field goal come yeah, on even, man even then but even then like if you dude you can't make a mistake as a kicker now you know yeah that's the funny I, I actually uh thought about this like a couple months ago like i feel like being a kicker is actually one of the hardest roles like there is this like weird deal where the the you know some of the people are like oh that's the kicker yeah no and you totally. get all the pressure yeah you get one kick like I think that that's probably uh, good for men, you know keeping you like mentally strong to oh, go yeah. through all that honestly it's it's been challenging after college to like find that same rush like I don't get it like mm-hmm. it, you know and I miss that because um, there's nothing like that feeling of like going out there and just being like okay it's winner it's win or lose. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, and that moment's heavy and it's fun and you want to have it and you want to be the guy where the game comes down to you. But um, no, man, life's funny. Um, you just gotta, you just have to enjoy and overcome the adversity and um, put in the work. But it's, you know, everyone wanted my job during the week. Everybody, like, everybody, like, oh man, I don't want to practice. Like, kickers out there kicking, like, it looks like a good job. Mm-hmm. But fourth quarter, mm-hmm. thirty seconds left. Mm-hmm. No one looks at me. I guarantee you, like, and I know this because it, you, I mean, life slows down in those really weird moments. I'm sure you guys have had some of those moments in your life and you see people look at you. Like some people can't even look at me. Like my linemen, some of them are just like, like in the huddle, they're just like, I, can't, I don't want to, I don't want to look cause I don't want his job. Yeah. And like, that's just, so I always used to make the statement. Like when people would give me a hard time, I'm like, I'll tap your shoulder for the last kick of the game. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, never mind. I'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely don't want your job in the last second. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love I love hearing that story. Yeah. All right. Well, um, before we get out of here, is there uh, anything you want to touch on? Um, anything you think that else is important? Yeah, we're um, look. I mean, we're we're pre-launching the fund. We've got some soft commitments now. Uh, if you want to just learn about us, um, again, I'm happy to talk to you individually. Uh, I put out a lot of free content. We we run a Chicago blockchain meetup. We've got a podcast. I've been on other podcasts. We've got tons of educational stuff on this nice and i'm happy to dig into the details you know um the website is libertyfund.io so libertyfund.io um yeah we're gonna launch next month and we're super excited to see what the uh, results are going to be we've got a lot of people that have that have come and expressed interest and um it'll be just on a first come first serve basis right so we're going to have a limited set of investors and once we hit our mark you know that'll be it nice um but uh, no hard sell, whatever. If you want to mm-hmm. just learn or just interested in general, just reach out to me. Sweet. So you can reach me at uh, Jason at LibertyFund.io. Right on, man. Last Thanks question. For me, One man. more yeah. question. One more yeah. question. So, you uh, young entrepreneurs. Yeah. What's your advice? Like someone, even for yourself, looking back. Like we got a lot of people listening um, that are just getting started or maybe even, you know, even advice for us. Like, yeah. what do you, what do you find valuable 
what would you tell yourself? Like, what are general thoughts that, that you say, hey, this is what's really important? I really did not. I got my education by going and working for just a, a tyrant. But I managed a huge uh, portfolio in Texas and Oklahoma as a young kid. I was managing like, you know, $300 million worth of assets with a brand new team. Uh, that experience was invaluable. It wasn't the best job. It was, I knew I wasn't going to be there long, but just getting that level of experience mm -hmm. where you're working with people, you're trying to do new developments, you're trying to buy properties. Like, dude, that accelerated my growth. Um, and and then for me, it's like just education and learn. Mm -hmm. I, I, if you don't like to read, that's cool. You know, go on YouTube, um, you know, um, listen to audiobooks. Mm hmm I opened up my mind by like learning other greats. Like I, I try to mimic mm -hmm. um, what others do. Like mm -hmm. whenever I was playing football, I wanted to watch, like, how does Jerry Rice practice? What's his approach to his week? Mm -hmm. What is he eating? What is he doing that makes him so much better than everyone else? Mm -hmm. And you know, find someone that, find mm -hmm. someone that's doing what you wanna do. Mm -hmm. Go hang out with them, you know, call, call Matt up and be like, I, you know, I love what you're doing. Like, what can I do to add value for you? Mm -hmm. And it may not, he, you know, honestly, some people may not have money for you, but but that experience is everything. Right. Cause I mean, you know, like I was broke at mid twenties. Right. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I had some real estate experience, but I was still figuring out life and you know, my net worth exploded whenever I kind of got that exposure. Nice. And I was able to invest in real estate and kind of just continue to grow and develop and be around smarter people than you. Mm -hmm. Got to be around smarter people than you. Mm -hmm. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're not trying hard enough mm -hmm. at that early age. Right. Love it. Love mm -hmm. it, man. Great advice. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Real Estate Podcast. Jason. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, fellas. Jason. Pleasure, you, man. man. Keep up the good work. Yeah, we will. We'll keep yeah. hustling. Guys, uh, hit us with some comments, questions for Jason. Reach out, uh, like, share. Appreciate you guys. Much love. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Cool, man. Let's go.